0: Colossians chapter 3. I want to spend some time this morning, and it may be the majority of our time, reminding us. Last time we were in this text was back in October. You know, Paul has made an appeal that Christ is sufficient. His death, burial, and resurrection is sufficient. His power is sufficient. His victory is sufficient. That's what he talks about um, there in chapter 2, verses really verses 8 through verse 15. Verse 16, the following, he starts taking up this issue of those who are believing that Christ is not enough. You gotta have, it's Christ plus something. We've we got to add to this. And so they're adding to these things uh, festivals or or judging people on the basis of festival or new moons, disqualifying people in verses 8 and also in verse 16, let nobody pass judgment on you, let nobody disqualify you. Verse 18, insisting on worship of angels or going to details about visions or puffed up reasons by sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole world is nourished and knitted together into joints and ligaments. Then in verse 20, For if with Christ you've died to the elementary spirits of the world, why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to these things that pertain to, pertaining to that has been used according to human precepts and teachings. These are indeed have an appearance of wisdom promoting self-made religion and asceticism, severity of the body. This interesting is, is, is conclusion here, it's like... I didn't realize we were talking about this. Because he ends it by, and they have no value at stopping the indulgence of the flesh. When have we been talking about the indulgence of the flesh? Then he begins in verse, chapter 3. Remember, it's not written in chapter form, verse form, All right, This is chapter break. And I'm not sure this is the greatest place for the chapter break. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So, seek verse 2 set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God and Christ who is your life appears then you will appear with him in glory put to death therefore what is earthly in you we'll stop December the 7th 1941 the United States was attacked Without provocation in Japan. The next day or the next day, whatever it was, our government did what? It declared war. Is it October 17th? 2023? Is that the day? In Israel, is that the day, October 17th? Okay, 7th. Israel declared war on who? Hamas. Okay. You ever tried to negotiate with somebody who's trying to kill you? You can't do that. And of course Israel's getting pounded by you're going too far. Well, they should have learned their lessons in the six-day war when Israel was attacked by Egypt and in six days Israel was on the outskirts of Cairo getting ready to pound them in the sand and the United Nations is screaming get off, get off, get off, get off well I wanted to say to Hamas what did you think their response was going to be? okay there was another war that got declared It was October the 30th, 1969. Don't look in your history books for it. It was a day that I was not aware war was going to happen. It was the day that the Lord saved me. And I didn't realize on that day my flesh was going to declare war. I remember in those early days, and of course, that's seven or eight years old. Eight years old. Well, the love of the Lord was sweet. Yeah, how many of you remember when you came to the Lord? Okay, remember that? That was well, what a sweet time, man. How many of you were saved as a kid? I mean, as 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 a kid. Okay, all right. And, and how many teenagers? You teenagers? Okay, a couple of them, and then the adults. Okay, yeah, okay, all right. And and I think sometimes, majority of the time, I think adults. Maybe appreciate it more because your your sin list is longer, oh, yeah. right? Okay, maybe for more severe. But I, I remember I remember that day, and as I've mentioned to you before, I, we were in revival that week, and I was saved before we ever got to church. I was walking with my dad. I can take you to the exact spot. We live right behind. I mean, as far as that bank is from here, that's how far we live from the church. I remember walking over to Dad, and I said, Dad, how, how do you be saved? And he sat down on the curb yeah. and led me to the Lord. Mm-hmm. That was a sweet service that day. <laughs> well, the, it seemed like the love of the Lord was just, boy, just overflowing, right? And His Word was different. I loved His Word. I remember, I've I still got it. My first Bible. Dad, Dad gave it to me. I had a Bible before, but but that Christmas, he gave me, a, of course any Baptist is going to give you in 1969 is going to give you what? A Schofield Reference Bible. Bible. Alright. <laughs> Blue in color. I remember having it. It smelled. It, I, don't, I hope you don't think it's weird. but You ever smelled your Bible? Mm-hmm. Of course it took on new meaning. Mm-hmm. And I love reading it. He, you didn't have to tell me to have devotions. It was, it was automatic. Mm-hmm. And love for the church took on a different thing. I, understanding that as a seven or eight year old it, at best you can that these are my brothers and sisters in Christ now. It, I'm not sure how long it was but all that started waning I uh, didn't spend time in the word like I did the love to be around God's people started I'd have said I love the Lord but it won't like that it won't like it was at the start Mm -hmm. And it didn't take long till the sins of an eight-year-old started raising their head again. See, I thought they would cure it, that would cure it all. I thought that would be the defeat, that would put the death nail in that sin issue that I was dealing with. And even as a young kid, I realized that it's not. Help me here. Let's talk. What happens at the moment of conversion? Give me some, some words. Give me. Give, okay, so. Yeah. If, if, I'm, I'm. I'm saved. I'm. I'm justified. justified. An eight year old. I have no clue what that means. I can't spell it. Can <laughs> okay, barely now. Okay. Justified means what, Harry? We made right to be declared right. With God. Right. I'm. I'm declared right. Okay. What else? Clean. Clean. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm Picking up your word, no, no sin. I mean, my sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. I will remember your sins no more. No, more. no more. And of course, I think as an adult, that means more to you than it does an eight-year-old, but it does mean something to me as an eight-year-old. What else? Reconciled with God. Give me another one. New creation. new heart. A new heart. What does that mean? New creation. New creation. Okay. Does does that mean? Okay, I know I know what a new car is, but the problems I have with my old car will be the same problems you have with your new car, at sometimes else. So, new doesn't mean what perfect in the sense of you know, all that's going to be gone. What else happens at conversion? Yeah, I am a child. Of his. I'm adopted into his family. Yes. I'm an heir and a what? Joint heir with Jesus Christ. Okay. You try it as an eight year old, grab your head around that. All I'm trying to do is quit getting more stankins. Yeah. <laughs> now it's more than that. You know, the Lord was doing work. I've never questioned that day. Same pastor, Virgil Wilson. Three years later, I go forward in a service, and I want to be saved again. Pastor Pastor Virgil was such a pastor that he came to see a, an eleven year old Sunday afternoon. What was my problem? Why did I feel I needed to be saved again? The sin that I thought was gone, the appetite's still there, right? Yeah, I'm feeling the discipline of the Lord but I'm wondering why do I still desire those things I thought that had changed I thought I was a new creature I am but yeah there's a this new self this new nefesh is still incarcerated where? In the flesh. And this flesh, this old self that the Bible talks about, still has its own desires Romans and its 7. own pulls and its own directions. And if you don't know that, you're a fool. Romans 7. Yeah, in fact, go there. In fact, we're going to talk about this just now. we're going to get to Colossians in a sometime. Maybe next week. Romans 7. I hate to do this to you, but the fan's going back on. So, maybe we should just get blankets and hand them out. Okay. Where did I say Romans 7? Romans 7. 7. Look at before we get there, you know where I'm already going. How many how many wars am I in? You can put it that way. You're in at least two. Book of Ephesians tells you to be adorned with the armor of God, but he says there in that text. Hold your place there. Go go to, go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians 6, Mm -hmm. beginning in verse 10, Be strong in the Lord, and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of who? The devil. devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against rulers against authorities against cosmic powers in, in, in present darkness against spiritual weakness in, in the heavenly places therefore be adorned in the armor of God that you may be able to stand against that in that evil day okay having done all to stand stand firm stand there for us fashion with the belt of truth you know the rest of it okay we're in that war but Paul says you got another war yeah mm-hmm. it's two wars going on that's the armor for the outside war but he says in Romans 7, look at verse... Uh, we'll pick it up in verse 21. So I find it to be... Uh, eh, let me back up. Let's pick up verse 13. Did that not which is good then bring death to me? By, by no means. It is sin producing death in me through what is good in order that the sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might be become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, for I am the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now if I do what is, I do not want, I agree with the law, that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in there, that nothing good dwells within me—that is, in my flesh. For I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Are you there? You understand that? That's where we are. That's where we live. We're in, we're in that. That's where we live. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do not want. I keep doing it. For if I do not. Do what I do not want. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil dwells close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells within me. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ to our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with myself I serve the law of sin. There it is. That's the war. And we find that sometimes we do good in warring against that. And then we find ourselves in a pressure pot and we find out we're not as far down that road as you thought you were. Jim Berg used to put it this way What reveals what's in the tea bag? Hot water. And God brings about these hot water times to reveal what's really in our heart, right? Okay. So you understand that we're at that war, right? So I'm mean, to be knowing that, that those things that he mentioned before, they can't stop these indulgences of in flesh. All the, all these things that you're talking about doing and keeping these days and doing all, not eating this and all that has no power against my flesh. We talked about setting up accountability. That's great. But I heard MacArthur say it this way. If I'm cheating on my wife, do you think I'm going to have any problem lying to you about it? Right. Right? right. It has its its limit. But we're at war. And sometimes we don't understand that. And we're at war with our own flesh. Mm -hmm. We're to be... Seeking things above, we'll be setting our minds on things above, not on things of the earth, verse 3 back in Colossians. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then you shall appear with Him in glory. Great! Praise the Lord! That's wonderful! That's the end. Then he says in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death. Let me read something to you because of who Christ is and what He has done, because of the fact that we are in Christ and complete in Him, and in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and we are complete in Him because of the realities of our life and death in Christ, because we have everything we need, therefore we need to live consistently within that identity. This is who we are. And it sets up a standard of how we are to live. No matter how deep Paul goes in his theology, no matter how high in his thoughts, no matter how sweeping his sorts of holy reasoning and logic, as he unfolds great doctrine, he always comes down back off the mountain. These mysteries of God being explained down in the valley where we live. In light of all these glorious truths that are certainly... That are certain way we there is a certain way we are to live. To sum it up, look at verse 17 of chapter 3. Paul says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything you do, everything you do in word. Everything you do indeed should be consistent with your identity with Christ and should be an offering of thanksgiving to God the Father. Amen. That's how we are to live our lives. That sums it up. Whatever we do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus as an expression also of gratitude to God the Father for what He's done. This writer goes on to say, Now this means on the positive side that we need to live heavenly lives. That's why we saw in the opening verse, seek things above, set your mind on things above, things that are heavenly, virtues that belong to the perfect, the perfect God, the perfected believers and the holy angels. Live above the earth. Leave the world to reach the world. That was the last message. He goes on to say, but if you're going to live the Christian life to the max, You've got to be killing the deed to the sinful nature. Mm-hmm. If you're going to live a risen life, and that's the positive side, you're going to have to be killing that which threatens that. That which pulls you down into sin. We're new creatures on the inside, as Paul has said in Romans 7. But we still, we, 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 but we still have remaining flesh on the outside. And the members of our body, the faculties of our body can be instruments of righteousness or they can be instruments of iniquity. But if we are new creatures, we want to be sure that our instruments are righteous. And so we have to be killing the remaining aspects of our flesh that's part of the Christian life. He goes on to conclude, Your members of your earthly body are the vehicles through which sin expresses itself. And by members, he doesn't just mean physical body. He means all your human capacities are still tainted with sin until you're glorified. Paul says, I wretched man that I am. I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I ought to do. With my mind, I affirm the law of God as holy, just, and good. And I do want to do that. But I find another principle warring against the law of my mind and feel like I have a body of death attached to me and that's a true expression we're to be putting to death look at verse 5 let me read the text put to death therefore what is earthly in you sexual immorality impurity passion evil desires covetousness which is idolatry on account of these the wrath of God is coming let me stop there We we talk about these things like, "This is okay." Do you understand God's wrath is coming about this? Yes, He hates them. He hates them. He hates sin. Verse seven: In these you once walked, when you were living in them. But now you must put them away, all away. Then he talks about attitudes. Mm Anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. The first one's outward ability of the flesh. Here we're talking about what's going on in my speech. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have been put off the old self, which is practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of the Creator. Here there is not Greek or Jews, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, sent then slave, free, but... Christ is all and in all. Put on then, got to fight, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Mm -hmm. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. By the way, anytime Paul tells you to put off something, he always responds by putting this on. He doesn't tell you to take this off until he tells you this is what you got to put on in its place. Verse 13, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you've been called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell, reside in you, to fill at home with you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to the Lord, to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Back to verse 5. Put to death. Make as dead. Render weak. Impotent view as a corpse. The old King James would say, mortify the flesh. Consider as dead. We are to make a resolution to put sin and death, sin to death, to bring the flesh under subjection to the spirit-filled new disposition. Has to be our life. Listen, but what's at stake here? And we'll get. We're going to stop here. But what's at stake here? Your testimony is at stake. Yes. Turn over to Titus just a minute. Titus chapter two. Titus two. You know the text where he's talking about the older men? Verse 3, he's talking about the older women. Let me pick up my reading there in verse 3. Likewise, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderous or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train their young women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands. Why? That the word of God may not be, my version says, reviled. The word blasphemed. Yes, slandered. Yeah, slandered. So what's at stake? The word of God's at stake. Yes, your st- your testimony is at stake. But more than that, the word of God is at stake. When we fail to kill our flesh, when we fail to do what Paul is calling us to do—to put these things away—we destroy our testimony. We blaspheme what God's word has said. And often our sins do what? They hurt the very one that we love the most. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Look at that list that he uses back in Colossians 3 sexual immorality, purity, passions, evil desires covetousness which is idolatry what does that do to your testimony what does it do to the word and what does it do to the ones that you love the most I'm going to read this I'm going to stop here but let me read something for you from a book written in 16, 1678 the writer says all sin is founded in a secret atheism mm-hmm all the wicked inclinations in the heart are sparks from this latent fire. The language of every one of those is I would be a Lord to myself and I would not have God superior over me. In sins of omission, we, we own not God in neglecting to perform what He enjoins. In sins of commission, we set up some lust in the place of God and pay to that the homage which is due to our Maker. Yes. We deny His sovereignty when, he, when we violate His laws. Every sin invades the rights of God and strips Him of one or the other of His perfections. Every sin is a kind of cursing God in the heart, and aim at the destruction of being God, not actually, but virtually. A man in every sin aims to set up his own will as his rule and his own glory as the end of his actions against the will and the glory of God. That's what's at stake. That's what's at stake. Let me go through the list very quickly. We went through this. You can get the tape from six weeks ago or so. Sexual immorality, impurity, uncleanness, the filthiness of mind, sensual suggested thoughts or humor, Ephesians 5, perverted fantasies would fall under that category, inordinate affections or Passions that are used: as sexual immorality, impurity, deprived passion, lust, uncontrolled desire to to use someone for your own self, evil desires, wicked desires, the motivation by the sin nature, and the execution of of evil ends. He lists. Covetousness. It is, the word means to have more. At its core, in fact, your translation may say greed. That's it. To have more. To have what is forbidden. Yes. Have not the Lord forbidding you from eating that tree. Oh, a lot more. You think of all the trees that were there. You think of all, everything. And she made a beeline to the one she was not supposed to touch. That's the way we are, right? It's a violation of the 10th command among others. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. In fact, we find that this greed is the motive behind Most sins. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not just evil, but all kinds, all colors of evil. It's that greed that Satan fell. I will ascend to God's throne. I'm going to be like God, right? Yeah. It's a desire for what isn't yours. It's a desire for what is forbidden. It is, it is against the will of God and it's something that you have no right to. Yes. Mm. And it's driven by an absence of contentment. What is behind that? It's, this greed is the very opposite of contentment. Uh-huh. It'd be satisfied with what the Lord has given you. If you're not satisfied with the amount of money you'll do, you're tempted to do what? Steal, right? If you don't have the prestige that you want, you have evil ambition on the other side. If you don't have the power you think you need to have, you're liable to turn into tyranny. If you don't have the person you think you desire or deserve, it will lead you to sexual sin. When we sin, it is as the basis of doing what we desire rather than what God desires. It is the worship of ourselves. It is idolatry. What did God say? You will have no other gods before me. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. We've made a God out of something. And it can be sexual desires. It can be, it can be prestige. It can be power. It can be prominence. But something in our life is, is causing us to neglect the Lord at the expense of our testimony, the expense of His Word. Yeah, it's a promotion of self. Let me read lastly. Jeremiah Burroughs. You worship God more by contentment than when you come to hear a sermon or spend half an hour or an hour in prayer or when you come to receive a sacrament. These are acts of God's worship, but they are only external acts to hear and to pray and to receive sacraments. But contentment is the soul's worship. To subject itself... Thus to the God in active obedience we worship God by doing what pleases God, but by passive obedience we do as well worship God by being pleased with what God does. End quote. That's what's driving it. Whether it be sexual immorality, it's a desire to have more. And it's greed. All sorts of Lathros of that rainbow, right? What are we supposed to do? Verse 5 kill it. What does that mean? How do you kill it? Well, I mean, you, you know, you may need to go as far as the Lord when He talks about it. if your right hand offends you, cut it off. Not literally, but you may need to go the extra mile. You, you may need to do something that's... If you right, eye will you, pluck it out. In other words, do the surgery it takes because being right with the Lord, having a testimony, honoring the Lord means more to you than your sin does. Mm. And whatever it takes to cut it out, that's what you're willing to do. We live in a day in which... Pornography and all of these things are prevalent. I've got a cure. Get a piece of paper and a pencil. Mm-hmm. Buy a World Book Encyclopedia. Yes. Look it up. I, I, this, are you willing to do the surgery necessary to kill it? Mm-hmm. Do you hate it? Yeah. Till sin be bitter. Christ will not be sweet. Amen. That's for all of us. I'm, I'm, I don't sit up here, Bob doesn't sit up here, Jonathan. We don't sit up here arrive at this. We all struggle. We all have to get up every morning. Kill it. Yes. Go to war. But like those who are asking Israel, we'd rather talk to it. We'd rather negotiate it. than we would to kill it. Father, we pray as we get more in this text next week. Lord, that you would help us not only to adorn the, the armor of our Lord, but Father, we'll do the surgery necessary of our flesh. Not one of us here doesn't battle something all of us do Lord I I used to think the greatest thing about being in heaven with you would be streets of gold pearly gates new creation and all that's going to be great Father the older I get the more what I'm going to love most about it that I'll be like you Lord I pray for those of us who are weary in the battle and we feel like our flesh is winning Father help us to go to war knowing that we're empowered by your spirit Lord you said you've given us everything we need for life and godliness we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are called to help us Father, help us to do what's necessary. Help us to hate our sin more, 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 more. And love you most. Till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Thank you, Father, for this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.